Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. craving a community of like-minded women? Do you feel like an outsider in your family or your community? Well, I may have the place for you. We have a Free Birth Society private online community that's full of radical and wild women just like you. If you resonate with the topics that we explore on this podcast and want to belong in a circle of women who support each other in the self-exploration of free birth and wild mothering, come join us. You can apply online at our website, freebirthsociety.com. It's where myself and my team are hanging out these days, and we would love to get to know you. decade ago, my friend Nancy attempted a home birth in Sweden that was unfortunately sabotaged by licensed midwives. This launches Nancy into healing, learning, and even becoming a birth worker. Finding herself with a new partner in a new country, Nancy describes the beautiful journey of consciously conceiving her son in Mexico and birthing him in total power and in freedom. My daughter came flying down from the cosmos. (laughs) Um, She just really wanted to be here. I was very much in some ways not ready for that. Um, Mm. But I said a full yes. You know, I was 24 um, living in Sweden, kind of back and forth between New York and Sweden because her dad is Swedish. Uh, living like a super typical kind of New York City life of like waiting tables, being a nanny, going to school, having three roommates, you know, um, suddenly I'm pregnant and I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? So we decide to move to Sweden and we move into this like tiny little cabin of um, my husband at the time. Well, we were actually not married yet, but um, it's this beautiful little cabin that actually his grandfather built um, tiny little thing, like tiny little town from New York city to the tiniest little town, like on the coast by, by a little forest in Sweden, knowing no one. And I'm seven months pregnant. Whoa. Yeah. Super intense. And like, that's in February when it's like the darkest and coldest of the year. Wow. So that, yeah, that's kind of where, where it all began. And funny enough, I, already had the inclination to free birth at that point in my life. I don't really know how this happened, but as soon as I became pregnant, I was like, okay, I have to do this naturally. And I didn't have anywhere like near the kind of knowledge that I have now, but I just had this knowing inside of me that it had to be natural. So I start like Googling natural birth and unassisted birth by Laura Stanley came up. 
And I was like, what's this? And so we Mm. ordered that book. And, you know, my ex-husband, he's super open, very on board with like whatever I thought was best. And so we both just like dive into that book and we're like, this is going to be so great. And I think the mistake that I made was actually telling everyone. Oh yeah. Right. And so I I guess I should backtrack a tiny bit. So this was before I actually, but, but I also just want to pause and say, you didn't do anything wrong by telling people the thing that's wrong is that people are fucking assholes, (laughs) you know, that don't trust you and that get involved in women's business. That's the piece, (laughs) which, okay. Yes. Of course it was a mistake to tell people because they're the wrong people to tell, but yeah. Right not inherently yeah. wrong to tell people, right? It's a bummer that of course you are received properly. Exactly. So I was all like, yeah, we're going to do this thing. Like at home with just us, it's going to be great. And then it was like, smash, smash, smash down, you know, like, oh. no, that's a bad idea. That's bad idea. And I was super vulnerable, like sure. pregnant, sensitive, in a kind of somewhat unstable space of like moving between countries, you know, and it was just open and vulnerable. And so by the time I got to Sweden at seven months pregnant, I started to have major doubts. And I was like, I don't think I can do this alone. I need to hire a midwife. And um, my ex-husband was like, you can do it. It's just like when you get on the stage and sing, because I actually was in a little band at that point in my life. He's like, and you're always nervous, but you always do it. Like he was just so cute and sweet, you know? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I think I need another woman there, you know? And so Um, that was before I even knew what a doula was actually. Um, and so I was just like midwife, you know, I got to find a midwife. Um, so the way it works in that part of Sweden is that mid basically home births are like non-existent. Like Mm -hmm. nobody hardly ever does them. If they do, they get a midwife who normally works at the hospital who happens to be like, quote, the most radical midwife in that hospital who can come to your house. So it's basically like bringing the hospital into your home. Yeah. And we found two, a midwife who worked with another one in this area, and that's all we could find. And they had normally done, they'd been doing birth after birth after birth in the hospital, working day to day in the hospital setting. Everybody's not thinks, midwifery, by the way. Thank you. Because I was, <laughs> I was going to say, everybody has this view of Sweden of being like this, Super Mm -hmm. progressive place, which in so many ways it is. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful to Sweden in so many ways because of that. However, there's a lot of work to be done in the birth department. Like now I've worked as a doula there. Yeah, exactly. So true. But they have this thing of like, oh, it's a midwife-led thing. But I'm like, no, it's it's like they're more like nurses, you know? Mm -hmm. They are nurses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they call them midwives there. No, I know, but they're CNMs, but, right? Yeah, they're they're, they're, nurse, they're nurse midwives, which is yes, not right. which is not what we think of when we think of midwifery. Exactly. So I ended up hiring them. I think more than anything, out of just fear and feeling really vulnerable. I had spent like a month at my parents' place um, when I was six months pregnant and saying I was going to do a home birth. I didn't even say that I was going to do an unassisted birth, and they were like you know, like just every day being like, it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. Yeah. It really deeply affected me. And so I feel like by the time I was hiring them, I was like already just 
I don't know. I had given over part of my power. You know, I can see that really clearly now looking back. So I hire them. They're like, oh, we're just going to sit here. We're not going to do anything. Uh, and I had all these questions for them, you know, and they were like, no, we're not going to do anything. You know, I was like, okay, this is going to be great. Um, so I started off in my birth pool laboring. It was a beautiful spring day. It was so, so cool because the plants literally had just like burst hmm. out from underneath the ground. Um, I go on a walk in my labor and like see this family of deer in the forest. Like there were so many magical parts of it. Um, but the midwives were really odd. They were kind of sitting on my couch, just staring at me and like looking back, I'm like, why did I call them so early? You know, I know all this now, but whatever. And I was having contractions that were just very pleasurable. I had worked you, with, you called them because it's nice to have women and it's nice to be supported. You didn't know they were going to weirdly just stare at you. Right. Right. There's, there's nothing wrong. In fact, it makes complete sense that women want women around. It's just so freaking hard to find. Yeah, exactly. Intuitive, you know, great support. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we're in this tiny cabin, like the birth pool takes up like almost the whole living room <laughs> and I'm laboring in there. I had worked a little bit with hypno hypnosis. And so I was just like riding the waves, you know, and actually I was feeling pretty good. I didn't have any pain. And I think that was really perplexing to them. And they were like, are you feeling anything? Are you feeling anything? Like, is anything? And I'm like, yeah. And so it kind of slowly over time, they just kept putting me in more in my head and more in my uh -huh. head. Right. And, um, and then like everything sort of progressed really well until suddenly I had this feeling that my body was really being taken over by this force. And for me, it was a deeply spiritual experience. Um, it started to get extremely psychedelic as well. Like I was looking at the paintings on my wall and they were literally melting. And I was like, whoa, nobody told me about this, you know? And I'm looking over at my partner and I'm like, and I said the classic thing, right? Like, I can't do this anymore. And he was, he said the most beautiful words, like, you can, the only thing you have to do is be present in this moment right now, just mm -hmm. this one moment, you know? And I was like, okay. And I feel like if I could have just gotten in that zone with him, everything mm -hmm. would have ended smoothly. But the midwives, this is like my most vivid memory of like where it all went astray. The midwife's face just like popped into my sphere, you know, and she hung her head like over the birth pole and was like, are you feeling the urge to push? And I was like, oh, and then I started to analyze it all. Right. And I'm like, well, was that the urge to push? Right. Was that just a, I don't know. And she was like, cause if you're not feeling the urge to push, like you need to be put, you need to be pushing soon. Now it's been a long time and now I need to check you and now you need to get out of the pool. And and that was just where everything turned. Right. And I was in super vulnerable and being mm. like, opened up by this person. Yeah. And, and so I get out of the pool and in this whole thing, right. And she checks, she checks my dilation and I'm 9.5 centimeters open. There's this tiny piece of cervix, right? This is like such a classic story as well for those listening. <laughs> like, yeah, there's that little piece of cervix and we're going to just mess with it for so long. Mm. Right. Um, 
and for me, what I, I just needed space mm. and time and I needed to be able to totally dissolve right into the Godhead. Like that's what I felt like, you know, but suddenly it was like all about my physicality, nothing about like, what are you feeling? You know, cause I was feeling fear at that moment. Mm. I was feeling fear of this enormous force that was moving through my body because suddenly it was like the birth had turned, right? I was yeah. working with the waves and then suddenly you you eventually get to that place where it's like, you have to surrender now, right? And that's where I was. Like, what is happening that women are just sabotaging each other like this? Ugh. I know, I know. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was a, bu- a big bummer um, to say the least, but we'll get there in a little bit. But so basically to sort of make a long story short, hours go by and they're like you're still at 9.5 you need to um this was quite funny they had me pulling on the roboso which is a like a big piece of material it actually comes from mexico where i'm currently living and they're like this is a mexican technique you're gonna pull on this fabric while we pull on the other two ends and push with all your might First of all, I've never seen that done here. I'm like, is this really a thing? I don't know. We work with the robots in a totally different way here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so I'm pulling on this thing and like pushing against them. I'm literally popping blood vessels in my face. Like it's so messed up. And I'm trying to get that piece of cervix out of the way. But meanwhile, like I didn't have the urge to push. Right. So I'm going completely against what the body is wanting, Right. My daughter starts to get into this weird position from all this where she's kind of coming, wanting to come out like a unicorn. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. That's what I tell her. I'm like, you're a little unicorn. So like more like her forehead, right? Um, and then that, of course, starts to become an issue, right? They're like, oh, she's now in a bad position, you know? And I am just defeated at this point. And I'm in a lot of pain as well. Like it had gone from like totally riding those waves to like, oh, this is brutal. Cause I could feel it all in my back, you know? And I was really committed to like not using any kind of pain relief or anything, but they're like, oh, let's do some acupuncture. And they're like shoving this needle in my like ankle, which was just like awkward. And then at one point she's like, okay, you need oxytocin. You need Pitocin because your body, your cerv- your uterus is tired, you know? Oh yeah. Let's, let's hyperextend your uterus when it's <laughs> tired at home. So, Wait, meaning like you have yeah. to go to the hospital to get it. No, they actually had some with them. They give pit in labor at it's home. A, right. I that is like, so dangerous. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Like wow. they did that. And I was just so in this like weird zone Ugh. at that point. It was so difficult for me to say no to things. Of course. And then they're like, we need to go over. Yeah. And then they're like, we need to pop your water. Oh my God. No. (gasps) Cause she's just like, she's not coming down. And you know, you know, the whole typical story. Wow. Like on my bed, they're popping the water and it's like amazing gush and just beautiful. And they're like, oh, it's really clear. That's good. You know? And then just some hours still keep passing and I'm not, cause you know, it had been like totally sabotaged by that point. I needed a space to really relax and I wasn't. Literally everyone does. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so then they go in the kitchen and start like whispering in Swedish, which at that point in my life, I didn't speak Swedish yet. 
And I'm like, what are they doing? You know, and I was, and I went into the bathroom with my, with my partner and I was like, okay, the baby's going to come. The baby's going to come. The baby's going to come. Cause I think we sort of understood that they were yeah. thinking about the hospital. Right. And we're just like looking at each other, like, come Aww. on. Like, you know, it was, it was everything for us to have that home birth, like everything. And then they come in and they're like, okay, guys, we need to transfer to the hospital. Um, she's in a bad position. Like you have this lip cervix lip that's not going away. And, and now it's just been too long, you know, uh-huh. now, mind you, it wasn't that long. I mean, now that I know what I know about birth, God, births can be fucking long, right? How many hours was it from like, at that point, it had probably only been 12. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. Wow. You know, and like so, so many, time so many like of those. Average. Yeah. And so wow. many of those 12 hours were just like beautiful and blissful. And you already got to nine within a couple, I mean, yeah. it doesn't even matter if it had been 48 hours, obviously, right. like get your, get your shitty yeah. attitudes out of your space. But, but wow. I just want to mention that. Cause like, you know, <sighs> they're like, Oh, it's been too long. Mm-hmm. And so eventually we get in, Oh, this is the part that just sucks. We go so I'm just like, okay, we're going to the hospital, you know, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, these blood vessels are busted. I just don't recognize myself, you know? And I'm like trying to like figure out how to get my clothes on. And, you know, I did not have like a backup hospital bag or anything. Like I was totally committed to birthing at home. So I was just like scrambling to get things together. And my partner was working with me. And then we get out on the grass, the ambulance just pulled up and I have the urge to push. And like, it comes so strong that I'm like hanging on my partner's neck, you know, and like, now why didn't I just like turn my ass around and go back in my house? I don't know. Like looking back on it, I'm like, wow, it's so interesting that I just continued to go and get in the ambulance. Mm. But it was like already just defeated, right? That, that energy. And I was like, oh, now I'm pushing. So I get in the ambulance and they go, try not to push in here. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, we've been waiting all this time for me to finally be pushing. And now I'm told not to push. My husband was like in the front. I couldn't reach his hand. It was a moment of deep sadness for me. Um, Feeling really alone and abandoned. So I ride to the hospital, get out. And I'm like, you guys, the baby's head is in my pants. Like, that's how it felt, you know? And they kind of like pat me on the back like, yeah, I don't think so you know, that kind of like, uh, no, not quite. I get in there and I like rip off my clothes and they had a birthing stool and I sat on that and they're like, Oh, like you're crowning, you know, she's right here. And I'm like, yeah. And that's what I was trying to tell you. (laughs) Um, they shove more Pitocin in me without asking. Um, then they're like, Oh, you're getting a bit swollen. Like you need to move to the bed to push. Yeah. So I'm like on the bed, but like laying on my side with my leg up. And then they're like, okay, we're going to cut you now. Like do an episiotomy, right? Without asking, not like, can we? And so I'm like, I don't know how Emily, but I had the, the something to say no. Mm-hmm. And I said it pretty strongly, I think, because the whole my whole labor had just gone inward, inward, yeah. inward, and I was barely speaking actually. But at this point, I was like, "No!" And 
thankfully they listened to me. And I think oh, it kind of shocked God. them of like, yeah. oh, she's actually like, oh, she's there. That's yeah. a real person. Yeah. Oh. And so they it did not give me an episiotomy. Thank God. And then shortly she shot out. I had the fetal ejection reflex and mm. she was just beautiful. And we didn't know, we didn't have an ultrasound in that pregnancy. I didn't know if it was a girl and it was a girl and these beautiful lips and these beautiful eyes. And it was just, it was actually a beautiful moment, but followed by just deep sadness, you know, um, that in my opinion really affected our bonding a lot. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And the Pitocin, you know, and thank God she wasn't taken away from me. Yeah. Thank God they did respect some slight delayed cord cutting. It wasn't like as long as I probably really would have liked, but it was definitely like five minutes, you know? Um, but then they're like pulling on the cord to get my placenta out. Of course. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I don't know. It was all just happening, you know? And, and, and yeah, that was like the beginning of my motherhood journey. And they, they came to my house a week after that and they, they actually apologized and they cut their fee in half for me. Cause we were pissed. Like after I had a little bit of time to process it all, I'm like, why did this happen? And why did that happen? And why didn't we, and why? And so I had all these questions for them and they were kind, you know, and they admitted like they were scared and you know, it's all about yeah. whatever training that they've had. Right. But they should yeah, it not was, be doing home births. Those were absolute wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah, exactly. So, and unfortunately it's still liked out there. Yeah. In the North of Sweden, they have got like, now there's like home birth midwives who don't work in the hospital, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So, so that spiraled me into a lot of deep, 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 deep shadow work. Um, all about my self-worth really. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, what it did is that it made me understand like nothing external can take away my worth, you know, mm -hmm. nothing that I did or didn't do. Cause it, it was like a huge sort of, I think for me too, it was like, oh, all those people that were like, not, didn't have my back about me home birthing were like, see, I told you it was going to be, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I felt that energy. And I think for me also, one of the saddest things was that when I tried to express how bummed out I was they're like oh but your baby's healthy <laughs> that's the only thing that matters you know that whole you don't you don't matter yeah. yeah you don't matter your feelings don't matter you have a live baby and also who's to say healthy like this concept of your baby's healthy is is so um obviously it's silencing but it's also not necessarily correct like yeah. what is healthy Right. You know, I mean, alive. Or fine, right? Yeah, alive. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can say we can see that, but you know, healthy. I mean, I'm sure your baby was healthy, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Babies There's a lot being, of assumptions made. Yeah. Like they mean to say alive. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. so so painful. Mm -hmm. It really was incredibly deeply painful. I processed her birth for a solid two years, I would say. I'm sure. Of grief, you know? And it ultimately led me to study birth and to become a doula. And I think becoming a doula really helped heal part of me. And because also, I think when I studied to be a doula, I was like, oh, this 
the system is so fucked up. Like I didn't realize that, you know, I definitely came in very naive. And so Mm -hmm. it kind of took off those, you know, blinders Mm -hmm. and which helped me to heal because then I realized, Oh, I was just working within a system that's broken. I do want to mention one quick detail that I forgot just because you're going to get a total kick out of this. You're going to be appalled. (laughs) Um, During my pregnancy, in order to be able to hire those midwives to come to my home, I had to go to the hospital and speak to a head OBGYN male and quote, prove my case of being able to birth at home because I was a first time mother. Yeah. Yeah. You needed permission from the white man. Exactly. I mean, duh, look at our life. You realize that we we weren't even allowed to get our own credit cards without our husband's permission until the beginning of our lifetime in the eighties. Like, of course you needed a a male per, you know, a male's permission to um, do something against the grain. And also of course that permission was fakely given and you wound up at his institution anyway. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's all just such bullshit. I know. Oh, okay. So then let's, let's get into the juicy stuff. Let's get yeah, into yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the epic, beautiful free birth that is about to come. So yes. then we get into, there's this 10 year gap between yeah. your daughter and your son. So briefly kind of fill in that 10 years for us, uh, for what's relevant to get us into this next pregnancy. You're doing some birth work. You're kind of, uh, grieving and hashing out your birth, coming to a better understanding of what happened and, yes. and take us kind of through Yeah. So I'm like just slowly exploring the doula work. I'm diving very deep into my womb, I would say, to my innate power, my wisdom as a woman. I'm becoming a woman, I think, Mm -hmm. over those years, really. Like moving from the maiden to mother, right? Then took me a long time, I think, with my daughter to really move from the maiden to mother um, because it was such an I was so young and I didn't feel fully prepared. And then the whole shock of like everything that happened during the birth. But it was this 10-year period of like deep, deep exploration, traveling around the world, um, understanding that there's just different ways to live life, right? Um, my, and you and I, your my partner and I eventually split. We're amazing friends now. Like it was, you know, we have a beautiful relationship, but it was time to part ways can't really get into that whole story, but yeah, that we'll just say that. Eventually I meet my now current husband, um, as I'm traveling through Mexico, uh, with my four and a half year old daughter and we started a life together and it was so crazy. Emily, as soon as I met him, I heard this voice that said, this is your spiritual partner and the father of your next child. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, 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 wait, what? Cause I didn't, I mean, I actually didn't feel ready for that yet. Mm. I was just like, okay, I'm loving life at that point and just being really free and backpacking and, you know, finally really like, I think feeling like the strong woman that I am, you know? And so I was a little bit like, oh really, am I going to get in a relationship with this guy? But it was just, the guidance was so crystal clear. And then shortly after that, I think he began to realize like, okay, I'm supposed to be with this woman too. But he tells me very clearly and very seriously one night, just so you know, I'm never having kids. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, great, never come inside me. (laughs) That's how that will happen. (laughs) Yeah, right? And I'm like, 
okay, okay, babe, that's fine. And you know, I, I tried to believe him, but I had this, I would, you know, those Oracle card decks that you can like consult when you're wanting a question. I had this one that was made of fairies that my daughter and I would share. And I'm like, okay, what's up with this guy? And so I pull a card and I get the card son, S-O-N, little boy. This card means that you're going to have a little boy or that someone you know is or something. It was about a little boy, right? And I'm like, what card doesn't make any sense for this guy? What What was that about? Okay, shuffle, like redo, same card. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is weird. I'm just going to let this go for a while. And then like two weeks after, I'm like, I, I'm going to just ask that card deck again because I got that same card. I got the same damn card. Wow. So I'm like, wow, it's so clear that there's this baby boy like hovering around me. And that's when my spirit baby began to make himself known to me. And I just knew like in the bottom of my heart, one day this guy's going to be the father of this boy and he just doesn't know it yet. And I'm going to be okay with him not wanting kids, you know, like I never wanted to pressure him. Frankly, I wasn't like, oh, I have to have another kid either. I just felt that boy's energy after some time hovering over me and it was just this beautiful spirit, you know? So the years go on And then like, I start to kind of talk about this spirit baby. I'm like, okay, so there's this baby who wants in. And, and, and my partner was like beginning to slowly kind of open up to the idea of, um, potentially being a dad. I mean, he had already become an amazing stepfather to my daughter, you know, like amazing too. Not just like, Oh, distant kind of a dad. No, like like, loving it. Just loving, super involved. And just, I'm like, you're a dad, you know? Um, and then it was, it was a while, like he had to really work through some major fears around becoming a father. Um, and you know, then eventually we were like, okay, let's open the portal. Um, I had this really powerful experience during, um, a ceremony where the virgin of conception came to me and oh, she, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. Like full on, just super clear. She's cool. here with me. She takes out a star from her chest. She opens up her chest, takes out a star, places it inside of my womb. Whoa. Yeah. I watch my baby grow from that star. I watch him being born. I like pick him up to me. I watch him change through all his phases. His eyes stay the same, but go from a baby to a man. Right. And I'm just like, holy shit. This was so powerful. And after that meditation and that ceremony, I, I asked my husband, so like, did you have an, any intention for the day? And he said, yeah, my intention was to make contact with our baby. Hmm. And I was like, well, I received him. Like, and that for me was my spiritual conception of my child. Totally. And so then it was like, okay, it's on. Like, when is he coming down physically? Right. And still my husband, he's like, oh, not quite yet, not quite yet, not quite yet, right? And I'm just like getting more and more fertile and like my womb is just like aching, you know? <laughs> it's just crazy feeling, right? When you have that deep connection. Um, at one point I was like sitting at my table doing something very mundane. Like I was not in a meditation or anything. I was writing something for work maybe. And I get like blasted with this crazy energy and it was my son again. And then he tells me his name my name's Elijah. Like, here's what it means. It basically, you break it down. It means 
uh, my God is, I am. Hmm. Like, it's all about this I am presence. I start channeling this written piece from him, and it's all about this divine I am, I am. And I'm like, Brandon, like, he came to me again. Like, it's, it's time, you know? And I was so just ready. Finally, we start to try to conceive. And I was so sure that this baby was going to come on that first time, right? Uh-huh. And he didn't. And I was devastated. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Like, I've been talking to you for years, you know? And so then it starts this whole other process of deep surrender. Conscious conception's crazy, you yeah. know? It's like it really puts you, it tests you as well. Mm-hmm. Because you have to let go. Like, once yeah. you open that portal, you're just Right, like, conscious Damn. conception doesn't mean... <laughs> oh, I'm gonna be pregnant now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, oh fuck, I'm not pregnant yet, and I want to be, and so here's the work. Exactly. Yeah. So for those of you out there who might be going through that process, like I see you and I feel you, because it was there was some hard moments. How long? I did eventually. It, it really it was only five cycles. Hmm. It's not that long, but there was a break in between because he had traveled, and so we were away from each other. So I would say the whole whole process was probably a year. Hmm. Um, and I, I worked with flower essences to really help me like ground into that and clear those emotions of like not being able to surrender. And that really, really helped me. So I just mentioned that as a little tip. Um, and then eventually I was pregnant and I knew it. I just knew it. Like we had done a meditation and I was like, I'm pregnant. And like, (laughs) he he was just like, what? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pregnant. And he's like, oh, I don't know. You know. He's like still kind of not ready, right? And I'm like, I want to take a test. And I and I look back, I'm like, why did you have to take a test really? But it was, I was just so damn excited. Like I just felt like yeah, it's fun. Great. So I run to the store right next door and I take a test. I'm like, I knew it, you know. And and that began our journey. Um, we were on the coast of Mexico at that point, and then we moved to the the mountains, the desert. Um three months after I became pregnant. So like just after my first trimester. And then I began, began to really think like, well, what do I want for this birth? And it was so weird, Emily. I don't know why like free birth wasn't like the first thing that I thought of. Hmm. The only thing I could think of was how I would feel in my birth. And then I was like, okay, well, like, am I gonna like try to meet midwives around here? And then I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Wait, no. I totally don't have to hire a midwife. I don't know why it wasn't like immediate, especially given my past experience, especially given all like the experience as a doula, definitely by hand, like by, by far hands down, the, the most peaceful birth I had ever been to was an accidental rebirth mm-hmm. <laughs> breach nonetheless. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, duh, Nancy, like you're not going to hire a midwife. I'm like, okay, so how's this going to go down? I had heard that it could be really crazy to try to free birth here yeah, and then try to get your baby's passport and all that stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm not up for a super stressful postpartum. I knew this time around too, I wanted to do some really beautiful traditional postpartum stuff of like staying in for the 40 days and just being really mindful. So I did not want to bring any extra stress of like trying to prove to somebody that this was my baby. Mm. So I start to do the rounds and try and get to know the midwives around here. And I'm just super transparent with them. And I'm like, all right, here's the deal. <laughs> like, I don't really want you to come to my birth. <laughs> I do want you to help me with some paperwork though. Um, and so that began that, that 
was and ultimately what I ended up doing was hiring someone who was okay with it. Um, she did trust my, you know, ability to birth without her. And, and, you know, there were some things that I, I did, maybe I didn't have to do. I felt like I had to do because I knew the process after speaking to a lot of people, especially as being like an expat in Mexico, trying to get my baby, his U S passport would have been really hard if I had no prenatal records. Yeah. That's what Nicole said in her episode. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, shit, I'm not getting a little. Exactly. So I'm like, I'm not getting an ultrasound. I feel really solid about that. What am I willing to do, yeah. you know, to prove, prove it? Okay. Well, <clears throat> who can I pay, pay off? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm willing to go to a couple of, of visits if they use the fetoscope and not the Doppler. And I'm willing to get my blood work taken so that an actual lab can, you yeah. know, you have that like seal yeah. of the, I don't know, some official thing. Right. And so that's where I made my compromise, but I really did not like those visits. Of course. And actually my midwife was super duper sweet, but I'm just like, why am I here? Like, this is not what I need. I need, I needed emotional support and spiritual support. Like physically speaking, I was taking care of myself by going to um, acupuncture a couple of times a week and by going to some, a chiropractor every once in a while and by getting a massage. Like that is what felt like self-care and prenatal care for me. You know, going to the checkups was like, here's how much you weigh. Here's your fundal height. Like, I don't know. It just felt- It's the trade-off. Like, of course you didn't want to do it, but you were playing the game to get yeah. the thing you ultimately did want, which was an American passport. Exactly. And, and not having a headache. So you were doing what you needed to do to set yourself up, like you said, for, for more ease postpartum. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's relevant Yeah, exactly. or fair or whatever. So I continued like that in my pregnancy. And also something else I did was I actually made, I made backup plans and I made peace with them or maybe I didn't make peace with them. (laughs) Okay. Let me back up. (laughs) I liked the idea of making peace. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, totally. But what I felt like in my first birth, I never, ever, ever imagined that I would ever birth outside of my home. And it was a massive shock to have ended up in the hospital. So I was like, okay, this time around, I'm actually going to see, okay, who would be my plan B? Well, plan B would actually be to call the midwife. Okay, who's, mm-hmm. what's plan C if I had to go into the hospital for something? It would be this total asshole doctor that I ended up going to meet. It was like part of me facing my fears, mm. ultimately. Oh my God, was he an asshole? I'm like, I can't even tell you. And everybody was like, oh, this is the most alternative OBGYN that we have in this town. My my husband was like, what the fuck was that when we left? He was just like, for real? I'm like, oh babe, like this is, this is, this is totally like how it goes in the first world. He was just like, are you kidding me? So anyway, this guy was just so not alternative. And, and it was great though. Cause like I had him in my head as like, if that's plan C, I'm so not going to plan C ever, you know? And, um, for me, preparing for a free birth was a mix of a deep, deep, deep spiritual surrender, like listening to the guidance of my spirit baby and my higher self and really feeling like this is what was best for us and educating myself about 
what truly is the thing that I would feel uncomfortable with, you know, if there were something happened. For me, my ultimate fear was my baby coming out and not breathing somehow. And so I just educated myself on that. I ended up doing a course with Karen Strange. Um, it was an online course. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to just be prepared to feel like I can let that go. You know, like I can know how to resuscitate if I want. Um, and that just totally let my mind go after that. I was like, okay, this is fine. I'm in this, this is totally, nothing's going to happen. I did some rituals around like writing down some of my worries and then like burning them. And then I had this like little container on my altar that ultimately became my birth altar of like putting in what I did want to happen, like, you know, the positive affirmations of it. And I just put them there kind of as prayers Mm -hmm. and like, I'm letting this go and I'm handing it over to the divine, you know? And then I just began to just fully let go of like plan B, plan C and all that shit in the last trimester. And it was just like me and my baby, and this is what we're doing. Um, I ended up uh, having my, a good friend who also is a doula who I worked with on the coast. We did a few things together, birth and a little course together. And I was just like, I really want a feminine presence there of someone who's already given birth to, she had an amazing free birth. Hmm. Um, her baby was breech and this was some years ago and nobody would support her. So she was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it on my own. And so I was like, okay, she's so on board with free birth. You know, I just felt really, really comfortable with my birth team. So flash forward to I'm in labor. Um, it was funny because I had like sort of thought I was in labor a few times and then stopped and it would always come in at night at like two or three in the morning. And I'm like, Oh, maybe this is it. And then it would just, I would eventually fall asleep. So it wasn't it right. That had happened for probably three or four days. And I think I was actually already beginning to open. Sure. Um, and then I remember like the night before I, I went into quote real labor, whatever you want to call it. I was so grumpy and I was like, I'm so done being pregnant, but I was only 39 weeks pregnant. And I'm like, dude, Nancy, you can't, I mean, you're always telling other women to like relax even at 42 weeks. Why are you like suddenly so done with being pregnant? But I think it was actually because I was, I yeah. was almost done. You were actually pregnant. done being pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I somehow knew it. Right. And, and it's kept- so common for women to get really cranky right before, right yeah, before the process. Totally. And, uh, and I had gone to my friend's house who had just moved into this new house that they had built. And it was sort of supposed to be the celebratory thing. And they had some champagne and I was just like grumping on the couch, you know, like, I'm sorry, guys. you guys really could grumpy. see her face right now. <laughs> like negative Nancy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's my alter ego for sure. Um, and she, my friend was so funny. She's like, I just so you know, like I had a dream about you and you gave birth and you were standing up and it was 1115 in the morning. And I was like, okay, well, maybe that'll be tomorrow, you know, but I was just, and they were like, it's fine. Just have a little bit of champagne. You know, you'll probably go into labor after that. So I had a little bit of champagne and, uh, and we went home and whatever. And then the next morning my water broke (laughs) and it was 730 ish. And it was so cool because my water didn't break my last birth. It got broken. And so I had never felt that. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, and it was funny because I was was actually peeing on the toilet. And then 
my water broke and I'm like, oh, whoa, like either I really lost control of my pelvic floor or like, how did that just collapse? Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh shit, that's not good. But then it became clear, like, no, that's not pee. And I turned to my daughter who was brushing her teeth, getting ready for bed. I'm like, I think my water just broke. And she's like, oh, and she was so adamant about being at the birth. She's like, if you don't take me out of school when you go into labor, like I'm never going to. So it broke the night before? In the morning. I'd woken up. So she's brushing your teeth, getting ready to go to school. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, then, and then she's like, well, what should I do? Should I still go to school? And I said, yeah, it can be like so long before I actually go into labor. And I had heard stories and like after being in, in your group um, and like hearing all these stories, this is not something I came across as a doula because all the births were so managed, totally. right? I didn't realize like, oh, sometimes people, their water breaks and people go into labor like four or five days later, Yeah, you know? And so I was fully, for me, that was not a fear. Like I was like, whatever, I, it could be like a few days from now. I'm not, I don't know, Violet, you know, it's like, uh, and I don't want you to, I don't want you or Brandon to be like staring at me like, okay, so is anything happening yet? Is anything happening yet? So I'm like, just go to school. Let's just pretend like it's a normal day. <laughs> and so I go downstairs and I'm like leaking and I'm like, what do I do with this? And so I'm like putting a pad thing on and like, I'm like, okay, I got to get my snacks ready, my rehydration drink. Like I had all these plans, right? I had this very particular incense that I wanted to light that was supposed to be like for a good birth that somebody had gifted me when I was in Brazil. That's sweet. And before they, they were like, I know you have a baby coming eventually. Like they just felt it and they're like, this is for you, you know? So there were these plans that I had. And then I go to Brandon and and I'm like, uh, my water broke. And he's just like, oh, oh, okay, well, what does that mean? And, um, should I, uh, and I'm like, no, let's just like pretend like it's a normal day. And he's like, okay, well, I have one work call at eight 30 and then another work call at 10 30. Like he had like three calls planned for that day. He worked from home and I'm like, just go, go, go on. You know, my friend who was going to be my doula, um, she actually was planning on coming to my house around 10 to do a cranial sacral treatment on me. Mm. Yeah. She's amazing. And oh, I just love those. And so I call her and I'm like, well, my water broke and, but let's just keep the plan for you to give me that treatment. And I think she somehow knew that it was coming closer than I thought. And she's like, uh, I think I'm going to eat breakfast and maybe I should head over like a little bit before 10. I'm like, well, let's just be in touch. Like, I'll let you know. And then I, you know, shower and do all these things and I go upstairs and I'm just like being with myself and suddenly labor's just gone and it's nine, nine twenty, you know? And I'm like, Oh, whoa, it's on and it's strong. Like, and I called the bus driver of my daughter's school. I'm like, uh, sorry, but you kind of need to turn right back around. Cause I felt like it might be really soon, you know? Cause it was so the contractions were coming like Honestly, it felt like they were just a minute apart. I love that you had the bus driver's number. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that they could turn around. No, they were all on board with the plan. Like, oh, it's so cute. Feel like I'm birthing at home, you know. Blah, I need blah, blah. my girl there. Yeah. yeah, and so they're like, no problem. And they're like, well, she's in her class. Like, they're singing this song right now that, like, should we interrupt? I'm like, no, you need to actually interrupt and bring her back because she would kill me if she missed yeah. my birth, you know? So like, okay, she's on the way. I run downstairs. My husband's in a call with like a coaching call with this guy. And I'm just like, 
wrap it up. Like I'm motioning to him, you know? And he's like, okay. And he's trying to tell this dude, uh, my wife's in labor and the dude's just like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wrap it up. And so I'm like, ah, whatever. I can birth on my own, you know? I'm oh like, These people know that it's on now. I text my doula like, it's on. Just come when you can. I go upstairs. I had hung this like, um, you know, the silks that you perform on. You also did this for your birth, right? Um, those silky things that the circus performers use. My daughter actually is in circus. So I hung a silk up from these beams that I have. I'm living in this kind of warehouse space temporarily. So it's perfect. Um, and I could put all my weight on that and I hung it right in front of my birth altar and I'm hanging on that and just like swirling my hips every time the, the wave comes and I'm just crying, like, but this beautiful tears of like openness and joy and like sweetness of just feeling my newborn so close and like just kind of disbelief that I'm finally here after all these years of having this spirit baby with me, right? Oh, I felt the exact same way. Yeah. And I still don't even know if it's actually the boy, Elijah, right? Because I didn't do any ultrasounds, but I'm just having this feeling that it is him, right? And it's just, it was just a really beautiful moment. I had a birth playlist on um, that I just loved. I worked on it for a long time. It was like 10 hours of music. I was fully prepared to have a long birth, put it on repeat if I needed to. Well, that was not the case. My birth was <laughs> extremely fast. Um, but I'm working with it. I'm rolling my hips. I'm kind of using my sounds a lot as well. And then suddenly everybody comes into my space all at once. They all sort of arrive at the same time, which is probably around an hour and 15 minutes before the baby was actually born. And it was interesting because although I deeply love all three of those people and I am glad they were there. It did change the energy for me, you know? And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, um, there people are looking at me, you know? And I'm like, Oh, weird. It was different. Cause it almost like the sensations became a little bit painful after mm-hmm. that instead of just pleasurable. And I had to, I had to work for a few contractions to open back up to not let them be like, disruptive yeah and they weren't I mean they weren't doing anything no, just the act of being exactly it's exactly real. And, it's, and they do bring their own energy it does it does change it it's side note when when doulas and and whatever women say that they attend free births and that they you know don't change the space and that it's still a free birth I'm like you're so wrong yeah. <laughs> to not know that you change the space when you enter a birthing room is, is incorrect. You know, it's, it's actually potentially dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I did learn a lot from that too, mm-hmm. as a doula, just reminding myself of that, but they were great. You know, um, he was doing the incense for me, my husband, my daughter had prepared this beautiful snack plate of oh like my God. watermelon and these spirulina cookies. And, oh my God. And my friend who is a professional photographer, let us borrow her camera. And my daughter took on the role of photographer. I knew I really wanted pictures. Um, and she did an amazing job and I didn't feel her as a distraction with that. Um, so I'm still kind of doing what I'm doing at my birth altar. And then my sounds start to get like crazy primal in my mouth. Like there's some pictures of me, my jaws just like so wide open, you know? Um, and I knew I was going to, I had a feeling in my pregnancy, I was going to work with sounds a lot. I work as a sound healer as well. So it was like just so innate in me to use my voice. Um, and that was super helpful. And then suddenly I'm like, I need to take a poop. 
And, you know, it's like, why didn't I know that that was the baby? I mean, I know that. When women say that, they're like, uh, you, often it's because you're in like a alternative yeah, I know, reality. I know, I know, I know, I know. And so I'm like, I gotta poop, you guys. <laughs> so I go poop and then I go back out and then I gotta go poop again. And it just goes on like this, right? And I'm like, maybe, yeah, maybe we should fill up the pool. Cause I sort of had this idea that I was going to birth in water, although I wasn't attached to it. I was like, it can be there if I want it. And I'm the last, I think I was moving, I was moving so rapidly through the phases of labor that I didn't really recognize them. Mm-hmm. And, but I think now looking back on it, I think I was in transition when I went to the bathroom the last time. And I, and I, and I did poop like a little bit each time, but it really was the baby's head coming down. That was, you know, making that happen. And Brandon's like, you need to wash your hands. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, hanging over the sink, like, I I didn't know if I could wash my hands. (laughs) Like, it was like, so dramatic. Oh my god, I could totally see that. That's so funny. And he's just like, um, <laughs> okay, I'll help you. And then I'm like, I need to get in the pool. So I go get in the pool and um which was just this little kiddie pool, you know. And it's, it wasn't even like halfway filled up at that point. But I did have, you know, you know, the quote birth pause where you're like already open, but you're you're not quite pushing. I think I had that for like three minutes, maybe. And so I'm laying on my side because there's a little video of it and they're pouring the water on my belly and it just felt so good with a little glass. And that at that point, I was just like, peace, you know? And then, and then he starts to really come down and man, was it so different than with my first. I feel like with Violet, it was like this, slow 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 pushing and then the fetal you know reflex and it there actually wasn't pain in the pushing for me with her it was the most pleasurable part really but for him holy crap it felt like this freight train moving through me and it really caught me off guard I think it was the only time where I lost my center and I just said out loud like what do I do? And, and, and my friend, my doula was like, whatever you feel. And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) And so like, I stand up outside of the water, (laughs) which is so funny. And uh, only thing I can say on repeat is, Oh my goddess, please help me. Oh my goddess, please help me. I was literally praying to the goddess. That's the only thing I could do in the moment because the sensations were so incredibly intense. And I did have that ring of fire as well, which I didn't experience with Violet. Um, and I, I felt like my ass was going to break. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think there was some fear that came up for me there. Of course. Around, <laughs> around tearing. And yeah. I was like, I don't want to tear like yeah. all the way to my butt. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my God. And why can't he just come a little slower? Mm-hmm. Like it was just so fast. And at that point, my husband intuitively just started to hold because the head was already starting to come out Mm. and just started to hold there. And he started to tell me, just work with the power. Like Mm. this is power coming through you. Mm. Just work with it. Nice. And it's so interesting. And I say this for anyone listening who is a birth worker as well. I feel like you, you think you're going to remember it all when, when you're in labor, like as a birth worker of like, 
it's just the power coming through. You can work with it, you know, like whatever things you've told to other women as well. But no, you're just gone. You're just, it's just happening to you and you're this portal and suddenly, and it's great because your mind lets go. Hmm. And it's amazing, Emily, because in this moment of this 10-hour playlist, my own hypnosis recording comes on that I made. Ah! <laughs> yeah, because I, ha- I have like a set of nine hypnosis and I put a couple of them on my playlist. But like, what are the chances of it coming in that moment? So he was born to like my voice. That's the- cute. Yeah. And the whole thing that I was saying to myself was surrender, let go, you know, all the things I kind of needed to hear. and then after kind of screaming to the goddess, um, he just eventually shot out. It was so incredibly fast. And I had mentioned earlier that one of my fears was that he wouldn't, he would come out and not be breathing well. And what he was screaming, it was like, whoa, hi. (laughs) Okay. Wow. You're really here. You know? And I just like grabbed him and I was like, I love you. I love you. I love you. And petting his head. And then I Oh, and it was really cool because actually my husband and I caught him together. And we didn't really have a plan for that. I just told him. How could you? (laughs) Exactly. But like we had talked about it in the pregnancy of like, maybe you can catch him or maybe I will. It's just going to flow, you know? But he sort of had the head like as it was coming out and then I grabbed the body. And and that felt really, really special to us, I think. Um, And then, yeah, he he was there with me and... And he was screaming, and then I felt his little balls, <laughs> and I was like, "It's a boy, you know. It's Elijah. It's my spirit baby." And eventually, we moved to the to the, in front of the birth altar, and we laid there all as a family. My Julia got some awesome pictures of us, and then I felt the placenta coming pretty quickly. I think it was within twenty minutes, and I just sat up and like held him in one arm and was like catching my placenta with the other hand right in front of my birth altar. Hmm. And it was a really special moment. I, I put my hand on my placenta and I just felt this energy coursing through me, you know? Um, and I just felt so much gratitude. And then eventually we moved all of us to the bed with the placenta and we did a like partial, I, I wouldn't call it really a lotus birth, but like it was four hours before we, we cut the cord and we actually did the cord burning ceremony, mm, Nice, which was super sweet. And we all took turns holding the candle underneath um, the cord and that took probably about 20 minutes to separate. And that felt really good for mm-hmm. us. Um, I didn't feel drawn to doing like a full lotus birth. I really felt like the cord was like in the way and it was like Same bothering the baby. Yeah, it was kind of sticky and cold and and yeah, I don't know. It just felt really, really perfect what we did. And that was, I guess you could say the end of that birth story. And then I, I did the traditional 40-day postpartum cuarentena, mm. uh, we call it in Spanish. And did was he born at 11.15? Okay, yeah. I mentioned that because he was born at 11.18. Ah! And I was standing up. That's awesome. So, oh, and at one point, I remember during, this maybe was also close to like transition period. I remember looking at the clock and it was 11. And I was like, okay, if my friend is right. Yeah, I got 15 more minutes. <laughs> yeah, I kind of hope she's right. Because like, so even cute. though it was going so fast, it was yeah. really intense, you know? So yeah, that was that was it. I had a super sweet like 40-day postpartum 
And did you do the closing of the bones? I did. And actually, one of the reasons I really wanted um, my friend and my doula there is because she has an incredible knowledge of traditional postpartum, um, things that they do here in Mexico. And she just has a really beautiful energy. And so she she did that with me. She did a closing of the bones. and um, Multiple times or just once? It was... Only once, actually. And I'm thinking of having another one. Yeah. I feel like there's like these phases, right? Exactly. I learned from Nioli, who is like kind of famous for teaching this, I guess. Mm -hmm. And she lives Mm -hmm. in Brazil now, but she's from Mexico. Yeah. I I believe, if I'm correct, that in in our workshop, she said um, that it could be done multiple times at the different stages of postpartum, um, which feels really good, right? Because you like digest it at different point who you are closing up at three days or two weeks to who you are at three months is exactly different yeah yep for sure for anyone listening god that rest was just absolutely incredible and feels so essential in my opinion like and I really was so thankful that I had it so dialed in I didn't really talk about that but like during my pregnancy I worked a lot on the postpartum Mm -hmm. stuff you know I had arranged a food train a meal train people coming to bring me food for the first six weeks I had um, help in the house with cleaning you know I don't know. I had like a big thermos to always have a nourishing beverage by my, Mm. you know, table, like just super simple things like that. I felt really, that felt incredibly um, empowering for me to prepare all of that for myself. It was also one of those things where it's like, okay, birth is birth and it's totally unpredictable, but postpartum in some ways is unpredictable too. But like I can really plan for what I want and how I want it. There's some things we can do. Yeah. Yeah. And that felt really powerful to me. Yeah. Um, and important. And I'm incredibly grateful that I did that because six months postpartum now I really have a lot of energy considering I barely fucking sleep (laughs) still, but I'm amazed. And I really do think that it's because I took such good care of myself. I worked with my placenta too. I made all the things that you could make from your placenta capsules and tinctures. I buried part of it. I did a homeopathy, you know, I really like went the at length to, you know, care for myself in that way. And, and I don't regret it at all. That's beautiful. I guess I could share that. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Really special story. And then, you you know, for anyone listening, we're going to have Nancy back on another time to talk about postpartum in more depth. Um, cause you have quite the story that being your own authority doesn't end with birth. Yeah. Yeah. And that you had quite the journey of relearning that or relearning it to a new level in the six yeah. months that followed your son's birth. So that deserves its own episode because it's super important and very relatable. And, 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 you know, we, we do, we cover birth stories on this podcast. We don't cover postpartum journeys enough. Mm. Um, and yours is really one I would like to record and, and share. So mm. more to come. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank, Thank you, you girlfriend. So much. that's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.